This is the Confident Collective Podcast with your hosts, Christina Zias and Rayanne Langis, two plus-size models and body activists here to get real and candid about living your most confident life. Get ready for powerful conversations that will leave you laughing, motivated, and inspired. Oh my goodness. Welcome back to the Confident Collective Podcast. You guys, we are so excited for today's interview. We had Sarah Nicole Andrian. Ray, I know you're blown away with her. She is truly one of the most inspiring people I have encountered online and feel so incredibly lucky that to call her like a friend and have met her in person. And she is, every time I speak to her, she drops these bombs of like gold. And this interview is full of them. I'm like trying to think my, I, I think one of my favorite ones she said was, I love myself enough to not lose myself. And I'm summarizing a little bit when she's talking about, you know, being a mother, being a mom, being a boss, all of these things. Absolutely. She really does like drop bombs of wisdom. It is like explosion of wisdom. It is beautiful and it's so vulnerable and so amazing. I think for me, one thing that I was kind of like scratching my head as she was saying it, I was like, whoa, do I do this? Is kind of the notion of self-love and self-acceptance and respecting your body and changing the narrative to body respect. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so accurate because as much as I preach self-love and I believe in it and I love myself, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's not like I'm in love with like all these flaws or things. It's just the fact that like I respect myself enough to look in the mirror and be like, yeah, bitch, you got this. Mm-hmm. And anyways, yeah, she was so good. There were so many good things. We are so excited for you guys to listen to this. She, oh, I just get goosebumps thinking about it. I'm like, oh, so much wisdom, so much joy. She's incredible. So without further ado, we hope you guys love this interview. You probably already know Sarah, aka the bird's papaya, but in case you don't, let me give you the 411 because she is iconic. Sarah is a self-love advocate and body activist and host of the Papaya Podcast, who uses her wildly popular Instagram channel and blog, The Bird's Papaya, to share her journey as a mom, as a wife, while inspiring millions and millions of women to love their bodies. She's your internet bestie, sister, mom, whatever you need her to be. Sarah is there with wisdom and vulnerability that is unparalleled. She is someone both Ray and I look up to and admire. And if you're not already in love with Sarah, we know you will be after today's conversation. So welcome, Sarah. Oh my gosh. I need you to say my name like forevermore. Like you say it so elegant. I'm like, Sarah. And Sarah. <laughs> oh, Sarah. oh, you do say it very like Sarah. It so Sarah? Nice. Wait, really? It's just Sarah. No. It was beautiful. Oh, it was just well, like, thank I don't you. think I've ever said my name that nicely before. Oh my gosh. So lovely. I can seduce you with your own name whenever <laughs> you would like. <laughs> this is the talent we have on death. Oh my gosh. So funny. We are so happy to have you here. So thank you so much. There's so much to get into, but kind of off the bat, we really wanted to dive in because something that we've both struggled with back and forth is just having empathy for other people and letting that kind of take over your life. And You've shared that you're an empath and how you deeply feel for others, but yet you're so vulnerable and you share your life. And how do you continue to do that while also detaching yourself from the other's thoughts and opinions and experiences? Because it's not easy. 
I don't think it is ever going to be easy. When you're an empath, you literally feel other people's emotions as if they're your own. So it's really difficult to navigate. How do I share my story while also protecting people from my story? Everything now could potentially hurt somebody. And so oftentimes I'm trying to break it down to what do I have control over and what is for the greater good? So when it comes to myself, I understand that in sharing sometimes, there might be some constructive conversations that come out of it for people or thought process. And at the same time, I have to understand that I can't be everything to everybody. And if I'm not authentically myself first and somebody who is at least willing to hear the stories of others, willing to adapt when those stories become louder and stronger and something that you can't really avoid anymore... I mean, that's kind of like how I navigate because I just don't want to close myself off and live in shame. I think the best thing that you can do when you're an empath or just anybody in the world is be willing to be wrong, be willing to share and be vulnerable and do things, knowing that if you get it wrong, don't look at it as failure. Look at it as an opportunity to get something right. Look at it as an opportunity to learn and to experience something. My entire Instagram, you go back five years, then I'm a complete hypocrite to who I am now. And I leave it there for a reason. Some people love to do a cleanse. They want to cleanse out the old and bring in the new. And I love to be somebody who showcases an evolution of a person, a person who has listened to change, a person who has been empathetic to new opinions and and different narratives and been able to adapt and and grow from that. But it's not easy. I won't say that it doesn't take a toll on my mental health, but I think it also weaves itself exactly into who I am and and who I maybe was meant to be. I think I was meant to care, but I think I'm also supposed to care about myself and and keep those thoughts priority as well and just weave them all into this experience that is human connection. And that's something I admire so much about you because it's especially now it's like you definitely feel this pressure to be everything to be perfect to say the right thing and when you don't it's like oh my god you it's like this panic you know and i think if we like normalize being wrong and learning and growing like i don't know why that isn't a bigger topic and a bigger conversation and that's something i just admire so much about you because that's something that i have struggled with so much that i maybe won't say anything in fear of misstepping or and it's it's it does weigh on you mentally and i guess it's it's just so i admire that i think that's such a good example for people who have a platform or even don't just in their normal everyday lives yeah yeah absolutely sometimes i almost like need to visualize something so for me it's like almost like you know when you're tripping and falling and like you know when you go down you've got to somehow get up and like look around and you have a choice you can either like cover your face and hide in shame and run away or you get up and you're kind of like brush yourself off and you keep going. Maybe you laugh about it. Maybe you kind of were like, whoa, didn't see that big rock there. Like, what? like it, it's so interesting that we, in the moments, like, and I'm somebody who has gotten things deeply wrong before. And in moments that of those, like there is a lot of shame and embarrassment. It's there. You can't avoid it. That's part of who we are. But it's also an opportunity to be like, this is what I'm feeling. Do I choose to cover myself in that shame? Or do I choose to kind of get up brush off, listen, experience, go forward, because ultimately you move forward. You kind of just have to choose the path that it is. And for me, I've always felt like at least I'm dealing with the fall. I'm dealing with it if I'm at least trying to listen and learn. And it is really hard. We're so reactionary. Like When I see negative stuff come in, it can be really interesting because 
your immediate reaction is just like defend your character, defend who you are. But when you break it down to like what somebody is saying or like where their anger is stemming from, there's just this part of you that's like, I get it. Like, I get it. And I'm so sorry that like somehow I've created this anger or somehow there's this barrier we're feeling or somehow I've really hurt you and I didn't mean to. Let's talk about it. Let's explore that. Maybe it's time for me to sit back and listen. And uh, yeah, there's definitely a difference between the times that people are just coming at you with hate and coming at you because they genuinely choose to try and make you a better person as well. And I think that there's something to be said of with all of that, you can't be any, everything for everyone, right? Because no matter what, like you're so scared of getting it wrong, but what's wrong to someone might be right to someone else. So at the end of the day, you have to be comfortable with like whatever decision you make. I know that's something I've been really struggling with is just going mm-hmm. back and forth and like trying to do what's right and trying to be there mm-hmm. for people. And then like, kind of like being like, wait, but how do I feel about the situation? Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's really hard to take yourself out of it and put yourself back in. I mean, how, yes. how do you, how do you deal with that? Do you ever feel well, like a, you're almost like losing yourself a little bit, like trying to be so concerned about all sides or? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think I definitely overthink things sometimes, but at some point you do have to make decisions. The, the, the point of navigating isn't, isn't to sit in the car and be overwhelmed with how many different maps you have to read and how much information it is. You still have to get in and drive. You still have to go forward. Oh my gosh, I love that analogy. That is good. I'm just an analogy person. I need visuals all the time. But you you can't just get out of the car. You can't just sit there and be overwhelmed. It has to perpetuate forward. So you have to drive somewhere. That decision-making happens. This was a big thing when it came to the fact that we kind of went a different route in the way that we explored talking about sex and gender when it came to our unborn child. Mm-hmm. A lot of that actually stemmed from somebody in our relational world who is transgender. And I realized that I really wanted to protect their heart and also recognize that I'm not somebody who cares at all when I'm on the internet and I see things like people doing things differently. And But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like learn to do this. But no matter what the thing was that I chose to do, it was going to be wrong for somebody. So ultimately, we had to make the decision that was right for us. 10 years from now, I might look back and say, eh, maybe I would have changed, chosen something different. But with the information that I have right now, with where my heart sits right now, with everything that I know and the conversations I have, this is where I feel comfortable to move forward. And we have to have a little bit of confidence in ourselves to make decisions. Otherwise, you're crippled and you go nowhere. Otherwise, the car stands still. You don't perpetuate forward. And I don't think we can do that to ourselves. And I think it does come back to that being willing to be wrong, being willing to get the car on the wrong direction and navigate again. It's just so important, I think, as human beings. And and to be fair, we're living in a time of cancel culture and call out culture. And it's really, really messy and confusing. I try and look at it as an accountability culture. We now live in a time where we can actually give feedback and hold people accountable because we want to see them do better. But that person still has to hold to their own narratives and their own decision-making and stand by that or be willing to pivot and change those things as well. So I'm just a chronic pivoter. I'm just one of those people that I'm like, I've done things so differently this this year than I did last year. Even content that I created six months ago, I've noticed being problematic for mass groups. And I'm like, I got to rethink my own self here. I have to rethink is it worth my Instagram likes 
to damage entire groups of people. This is These are huge decisions to make. Ultimately, you have to land in a place of, Am I hurting more than I'm, um, you know, encouraging or inspiring? And and I, I think it's just important as any human being to constantly ask yourself these questions. Like I'm making this decision, and I know it's not going to make everybody happy. I know I'm not going to be able to make everybody happy or make everybody trust me. We're also in a time where we're asking, we we expect general public to trust us, and they have no reason to. We have to earn it. We have to let people kind of question us sometimes and can be really difficult because you feel like it's an attack on your character. And I just try to be a lot more gentle in my approach to it. And that includes myself, be gentle with myself, be gentle with getting it wrong. And also like give myself the confidence to actually go forward and make a decision because you cannot just stay stagnant. It just is an impossibility. Nobody's going to get anywhere if they stay stagnant. No, it's so true. And I, I think that's so important because you really do have that to have that confidence. And I honestly how we shared the sex and gender of our baby is like something that has literally made me lose sleep for weeks and weeks and weeks. Yes. And it really started affecting me. I mean, I called like Ray on the way to the shoot. Like it, I was like in tears. I'm like, I want to do this. I'm scared of like hurting other people. And I've had so many conversations with people. And ultimately I decided to move forward because I feel like I educated myself and I spoke yeah. to actually up until I posted it, I had a conversation like two days ago because I still wasn't sure what to do because I was so scared of hurting people. And then I ended up having a conversation with our friends who have who have a transgender child. And I spoke Mm -hmm. to him about it and it was so interesting. And it started to make me realize like you have to, you really just have to be confident and do what's right for you Mm -hmm. and come from a place of learning and understanding and, and be willing to just stand up for yourself at the same time. But it yes, is so, absolutely. so hard. It is really, really hard. It's and crippling. It's so crippling. And like, it, it just, you want to be confident and you want to be yourself and you want to like stand up for people while at the same time, not wanting to offend or hurt anyone and wanting to do right by everyone. And you just never can. Mm-hmm. You- and that's exactly it. Even with the sex and gender conversations, there isn't even enough information out there to know what the right answer is. No. It doesn't exist there is, yet. There is no right answer. In a new time, there a- is none. Yeah. So there's a lot of families who are who are making hard decisions with very minimal information and trying to do the the path of least resistance. And, you know, even for us, there were still people who, you know, that are not okay with us going forward with identifying our daughter as a girl because that's what she will medically be born as. And I'm like, that's okay. Psychologically, what I've learned is she is a girl and she is our daughter until she tells us otherwise. Totally. So yeah. this is that we're going with. Will I probably put her into little pink dresses? Yup. Will <laughs> I put her into Star Wars costumes? Yup. Like I'm, I don't <laughs> care. Like it's not about that for me, but I think that's the difference. I think that's what I think the caring part comes in because had you been like, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I don't care about what anybody thinks is so different than I've taken these steps and here's what feels right for us. And I know it's still not going to be perfect, but this is the decision we're making. And I, that's what I love about the choice and the freedom of it, the freedom to make different choices for each other. I ended up doing our reveal was like a papaya or an eggplant, obviously going after their genitalia. And people were like, oh, so you're doing like a genitalia reveal. And I'm like, guess so. Like, I don't know. And people were still (laughs) like, there were still people upset about that. So I was like, you got to do what you're going to do. At some point, you got to just make those decisions and you got to confidently go forward because 
Otherwise, we're not going to move forward at all. And I think that's like, it's such a hard thing for so many people to face what it might be like to be wrong. Just like you don't want to be the person that falls in front of a crowd of people. It sucks. But what matters is being willing to just go forward, even if it means you might fall along the way. But what are you going to do when you get up? And that's what makes all the difference. Nobody remembers the fall. They remember where you're going. Absolutely. Or how you handled the fall. Because you look at even like quite literally a fall, like Jennifer Lawrence, right? At the Oscars when she was climbing up the steps and like she tripped (laughs) and is so embarrassing. But you realize how like real and relatable it is and that you can get up and laugh at yourself and learn from it and maybe not wear heels so high. Yeah, and it's fine. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's exactly it. It's so funny how much it like humanizes us when we see those things too, right? And mm-hmm. and I've seen a lot of people. I'm so inspired by the way people respond to like hate messages and stuff too. And sometimes it's just as simple as like showing them your human side, showing them that you're not like a robot on the internet and that you're actually a live human being making decisions. And that the fact that we're all different is what makes us as a collective so amazing because that's what makes it all interesting and engaging and I don't know, a learning experience with each other. I don't want to exist on a platform with everybody who thinks the exact same way as me. This is why I follow people who actually challenge the way I think, even if it sometimes is going to make me second guess myself or rethink some of things I've said or think or opinions I've had, because how much have we changed since we were 20? Like think about the opinions we used to have, you know, and, and the votes we used to make and the, clothes we used to wear, all of our choices, they change over time. And that change comes from places of discomfort, from encouragement, from inspiration. They don't come from surrounding yourself by people with the exact same opinion. And they don't come by just having a path with no resistance. They come by the refinements of actually being a participant in society and and understanding what it's like to be willing to listen and understanding what it's like to um, be willing to hear like what people have to say and change your mind when you choose to change your mind. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I heard one, oh, I'm going to butcher this and I need to remember where I heard it, but it was just being open, curious and, oh, it was something else. But I think it really just comes down to being like open, curious. And I know we've seen a lot of this going like this, be comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's where growth happens. And it, it's, it's with so many conversations that we're having and it's, it's okay to be uncomfortable. And that's where the growth happens. And that's where it's like, oh, you know, it's scary. Um, yeah. But I think with, you know, even with all of this and that like scariness, you are so open and vulnerable on your platform, which is incredible. I'm like, how do you show up every single day um, <laughs> and be be open? Like, is are some days, is it harder than others? Like, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I actually was somebody who was just like the most curated person on Instagram before. I facetuned everything. I googled what my captions would be. It was always like some inspirational quote. I had to make everything look perfect and be perfect. And my family had to look cute. Everything was so staged. Wow. I didn't know that. Oh my I had gosh, no idea. I show you. It's so wild. So I was deeply, deeply ingrained in diet culture. And during that time, it was all about self-perfecting. So 
And I also was like trying to fit into this like mom blogger crowd, which is all about like the perfect meals and the perfect kids and their perfectly dressed outfits and your perfect porch and everything. So it was just always a standard that I was like, I just want to fit in. I just want to be accepted. So I'll just be all of these things. And I was so far from it. But when I went through my divorce and I was going through therapy, the biggest thing that my therapist said to me is, Sarah, you are a sponge. You do not have an opinion of your own. You have opinions of everybody else and you apply them to your life. What is your opinion? And I was like, I have my own opinions. But as I got to thinking and realizing, basically what she was challenging me to do is start having self-awareness, start to actually listen to my own thoughts, which at that time, I was too scared to do. I didn't want to listen to my own thoughts. That was like a scary world to kind of step into. I was very okay with like, this is what everybody else wants of me. This is what I should look like. This is what I'll go for. And so suddenly it was like, what do I think? And what do do I want to do? And what am I feeling? And I just started journaling those things. And and they just started coming out like, once you start hearing your own thoughts, it was like, I couldn't stop them. And I realized that I was almost narrating my life all the time. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would have these thoughts. So I just got into this deep habit of writing them down. And and over time, they started becoming my captions. They started becoming my blog posts. And because I was writing them from the moment they were happening, not in a reflection moment, but in a moment they were happening, what I didn't realize would happen because when I was experiencing them, I thought I was the only one experiencing them. So when I was writing... I would kind of, and when I say writing, I mean like taking an Apple phone note. Like it's not like, I'm not like sitting there with a calligraphy, like no, (laughs) I'm a typewriter at home. I have nothing. I'm on my phone in the middle of the night. But when I was writing and it would feel like such an alone place for me, such a raw place for me. And I would start to share it. When I would press share on one of these things, my initial thought would be, I don't know if anybody even understands this. First of all, I don't know if this is even going to make sense. And I don't know if they're going to judge me for it. But this just feels like what I'm supposed to do. So I would be like shaking, pressing the share button. And some of it because like I'd be showing a new part of my body or a less perfect version of myself along with these words that were accompanying a less perfect version of myself or an imperfect version, I should say. And as as it came to be, what I realized was a lot of us are having the same thoughts all the time. We are actually so deeply connected and so interestingly the same the way that like heartbreak hits us the way grief hits us the way that we look at our bodies hits us all of these experiences we've actually all had them but we feel so alone and things as simple as i thought i was the only woman that was so self-conscious laying on her side because of the way her belly hung that like she would i would only ever be on my back with a partner because i was like i i can't go to my side because that's when everything goes wrong I didn't know that there was other women experiencing that until I said it out loud. And then it was like, Mm. oh my gosh, me too. And so when I got into this, I was like, holy crap, like we are living in so much shame for these simple, tiny, sometimes big, sometimes small things that are just running through our minds. I just got in the habit of capturing them in the moment they were happening making them my captions and allowing my own vulnerability to be a space where women can connect their own into without having to go through the process of everything I had gone through to even get there. Even if they, even if it was one woman that would feel not so alone in one specific thing, but as it came to be, there's a lot of us sharing these experiences in life and we feel so ashamed over them. We feel alone over them and it feels 
incredibly raw and vulnerable to share these things. Most recently sharing um, my own uh, depression and lack of attachment to this pregnancy. And I felt like the worst person in the world. Like it is though I felt like there was there was no worse a person when I knew how many people are struggling with infertility. How dare I come on and say that I actually am not happy and that I'm not enjoying this pregnancy and that, you know what, I'm not even really bonded with this baby whatsoever. And then I said it out loud and found out that this is not uncommon at all. There is like 10% experience prenatal depression. There is also like mass amounts of women who never bond with their child before birth. I had one friend who was like, I literally considered my fetus like a poop in my body. It was like part of me, but it was not something I was bonded with. And she's like, until they were born, I couldn't get there. And then I had another person say to me, did you love your husband and have a relationship with him before you met him? Like, no, you like some first stuff. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I put so much pressure on myself. So it kind of just became my own journal of this is what's real for me. And I know now I know, no, no, that like anything you're going through when you feel shame around it and you feel alone in it, there are other people out there who are experiencing the exact same thing. And they're also feeling so alone and so ashamed. And so I kind of put myself under the line of fire sometimes. And I wait, I, I, I brace myself for like, is this going to be okay? But I try and write in a way a bit strategically, I'm a bit of a fan of like mental, like mentality stuff. And I try and always write in a me and we way. So I never write you need to do this, you this, you that it's always me, we us. It's always a collective feeling. I don't want anybody to ever feel accused of anything. The only time I'm like, say you is if I'm like, you're a badass bitch. Like that's a bit different. (laughs) But may also like we are badass bitches. Like, you know, like I try and I try and really frame it in a way where it's my reflection. It's not a reflection of womanhood. It's not a reflection of everybody. It is my own experience and and those who connect with them. I mean, and there's millions of people that are connecting with them, which is, I think is what is so powerful. And your vulnerability is really, really bringing people together. And it's so interesting to hear about like the perinatal depression because like obviously this is my first time being pregnant and um, there, I feel like there's so many misconceptions about pregnancy. There's so much that you don't know and it is really hard to talk about and figure out because there's so many things that you're going through and you're so excited and you're scared. And at the same time, you're so grateful. But like you said, there's a lot of people who are struggling to conceive and to get pregnant. And Mm -hmm. it's so hard to like figure out that whole barrier and narrative and like just how to move forward with sharing your experiences. And I know you have three other kids. So like, how is this pregnancy compared to the others? Well, I was, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. That's for damn sure. <laughs> I was, You're still I young was, though. I mean, uh, I mean, you were, I you were in your early twenties, right? Yeah. I was 21, 23 and 25 when I had them and I'm 35 now. I'll give birth when I'm 36. Hopefully not on my birthday. I will be so mad. I'm I, too selfish to share a birthday. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. I am. I, I wouldn't want to share. A birth- I yeah. already no. I know. Absolutely not. I, I'm not afraid to say that. Um, it's very, very different. I am in a totally different phase of life. And I think what caused the biggest harm for me is that 
we're now in this we're now in this stage of life where women are equals. We don't have to be a stay-at-home parent anymore. We don't have to do those things. We actually have choice in them. And so I went from being a stay-at-home mom to being a single mom working two jobs to being in a marriage where both of us are working. And the first thing I felt was, oh my gosh, what is going to be taken from me? Am I going to lose my independence? Am I going to lose this? Am I going to It just felt like I was almost resenting the process and on top of that, brutally sick and just felt like falling asleep all the time. I just, I just felt like every, I lost everything. I just felt everything with my exercise routines were gone. My mental health was struggling. My relationship was shifting. It's in the middle of a pandemic. There was all this stuff going on. And I ended up talking to a doctor a week ago and she was like, Sarah, look at the last five years of your life. She's like, you have gone from divorce to remarriage to like healing from eating disorders you're you're you know you've moved you've started a new company and you've done all this stuff you've grown a million followers on instagram you've had all of this change she goes even if it's good change even if this baby is good news for you everything in you is going to resist accepting another change so she was like i am not surprised that you are suffering from a form of depression I am not surprised that this is very jarring for you because how hard you've worked to come out of basic motherhood into being more. And I've had to have a lot of conversations with people, with my parents, with everyone being like, I'm really scared. I'm really scared of losing myself to motherhood again, because frankly, that's what happened when I was in my 20s. I lost myself to it. My life was my children. And I had to climb out of the pits of it to be who I am now. And so I, there's like, now that you've had that, I've had this 10 year gap. Obviously my fear would be, I don't want to fall back into that pit and have to climb all that way out again. How can I ask for more support? How can I advocate for myself this time without guilt? How can I say I want to work and I want to make a living for myself and I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom this time. How can I make have those conversations and make it entirely different? And then I ended up feeling really um, powerful through that too, because I was like, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to actually get to show myself and my children that having a baby doesn't mean a woman needs to abandon her career or her dreams or her friends or her travel or anything. Like This can look so much differently. And I'm very much... Uh, very ready. I keep saying to everyone in my life, I hope you're ready. Like you're part of my village. Like we're at the village who raises the child together. Like, <laughs> oh, but actually like I'll see you like day after they're born. Um, I'm very ready to ask for help this time. And I'm not going to be feel guilty about it. I love the people in my life. And I also love myself enough to know that this is going to be very different. And I will not simply fall on the sword for motherhood. I love my children, but it took me a decade to teach them to not walk in on me in the bathroom and realize that that was a form of respect boundary for myself. Just even be like, I'm allowed to have a life. I'm allowed to pee by myself. It took me a long time to not just be a mom and to be something more and to not just want children because they were a way to feel accepted by society, but actually do this in an entirely different way. So I feel like my emotional maturity is so much higher now. I don't enjoy pregnancy this round at all, but I'm so excited to see my kids be siblings. I'm so excited to see my husband have his first child. There's so much about this that is so, that is such a blessing and so exciting. And I, 
I think realistically, I didn't ever allow myself to think and dream on because of all of these fears. So it's a great time to kind of go through and work through the stuff that potentially I buried in a I buried in that pit and still exists. And and now we're getting to unearth it and make a new story with it and and move forward. But yeah, having a baby in your mid-30s, it's exhausting. <laughs> I mean, honestly though, I I respect you so much for saying all this because first of all, like it is so scary to lose yourself. I've been with my husband for 10 years now, married for three. And that being getting pregnant is something I've always wanted, but I was always so scared of losing myself, losing my friends, losing my life, losing my business. And I felt like there's people all around you that are like, I mean, even on Instagram, when I share things, like I shared how I wanted to get hair extensions. Um, and the people were like, don't do that because when you have a baby there, you're never going to do your hair this or that. And I'm like, really actually, because I plan on making time for myself to do my hair. And I do think yeah. that you, I mean, I don't know what it's like. Maybe I'll never want to brush my hair. Who knows? I don't brush my hair that often anyways, right now. And I'm, I don't have a baby. <laughs> I have extensions, whatever. Yeah, but I think you do need to accept that there's going to be changes and that that's okay and just plan accordingly and do what's right for you. And I cannot wait to see your kids have be like those babysitters and help you out because it's just going to be so magical for you. Yeah, and I get to redefine what motherhood was for me. I had an I had an amazing experience with them. I I loved I loved being their parent, but it took me three rounds before I ever really enjoyed it. It wasn't until Bowdoin that I fully was like, this is, this can be fun. Like this doesn't have to be exhausting all the time. And, and the way he is in the character that he is, everyone always asks me, they'll be like, how is he like that? I'm like, the only thing that I can think of is that I finally let myself be me as a parent to him and let myself let go of like being in mommy groups and doing all of these things that I really didn't like to do, which I feel must have created tension for my children where I'm constantly struggling to like motherhood instead of doing it in a way that was like fun and freeing exactly the way I would do it. Like I remember when I met my husband, he's like, I love how how you are with your son, but maybe don't have lightsaber fights with breadsticks in the middle of a grocery store. And I was like, Oh, we do that all the time. Like, it's just like, I just read it. I just started doing it in the way that was like good for us. And, and I think that I'm really looking forward to taking that approach again and just, letting go of all of the sort of mom guilt and restraints that a lot of society puts on mothers and exercising my right to redefine it, to be a parent that makes me a whole person so that my daughter will experience what it's like for a woman who is whole, who is also her mother, who is also part of her network, who is part of who raises her, is not the sole responsible person for making sure that that person is constantly okay. That is that is not a burden that we all have to carry. And I think it's a reason that so many women are terrified to have children. And I also think that we need to allow women to never have children. I think this is a new thing we're hearing now where women are choosing to have children on their own. And they're choosing to have children not at all. And I'm like, this is, this is the time. Like we live in such a new time where women are not just homemakers, wives and mothers. And, but when we mix those things in, it's like, okay, how do I mix my feminism in with like these roles that I've also taken on that are maybe traditional? How do I mesh these things together to create more modern versions of, you know, maybe what our past experiences were? Mm. This reminds me so much of, I don't know if you've read Untamed by Glennon Doyle, but <sighs> wow, that book was transformative for me. Um, but she talked a lot about 
how, how we created that the perfect woman or mother is selfless and how actually sad that is to be an example to your kids that you lose yourself. Um, so I think it's just so amazing to see, you know, Christina, you and you, Sarah, new mothers who are going to be going in and changing that and showing that you can be a good mother and not have nothing left for yourself. Glenna Doyle is one of my favorite examples because I actually used to follow her when she was a mom blogger, married with all her kids. No way. So I have been watching her and reading her work for so long. And she's finally, like, I shouldn't say she's finally, but she's now she's hit this point where she is creating mass impact. And it Mm. wouldn't have been without all of those experiences. So sometimes when you feel like you're not quite there or you're not quite at, or like, why am I in this space? I'm like, you watch somebody like that. And I've just like for a decade been watching her go from like this woman who talked about healing through marriage and healing through this to being like, no, like actually, yeah. how about we heal away from marriage? And what does that look like? And you can get remarried to a woman. And what does that look like? And raising your children this way. And what does that look like? And it's just been, she's, she's that book like destroys me though. I can't even read more than a chapter at a time because I'm like, in a, I'm a bag of bones on the floor after a bit. It's like, <laughs> it's head. It's, it's, it's a lot. Wait, I haven't read it. A lot. Honestly, oh my God. I haven't read you it. You need to go get it now. I will and- order from Amazon immediately right after this conversation. Yeah. They're short chapters, but they will blow you away and also make you want to meet her wife because the way she describes meeting her wife, I'm like, I think I might also be a lesbian. <laughs> I'm just like, I feel like I need to feel whatever it is they felt. They have such oh, an incredible wow. story. But the way that she navigates thought and feeling is what I think so many of us can just aspire to be so much more of. And there's just so much. I She did this post the other day on Instagram and it was just... She was so funny because she's always revving people up and saying like, go get yourself untamed and like talking about the untaming of a woman. Right. And, uh, she's like, she was like, I'm just over it. I'm over everything. I'm over life. Like I'm over like all of this. Like it just feels like whatever. And she was like, love your, um, clinically depressed motivational speaker, hashtag get in, get untamed or whatever. And I was like, no, this is what we need. We need Mm. more people who don't come and pitch to us how amazing life could be if you just wake up in the morning and you feel good, you feel amazing, you conquer the day with all of the resources that you have. Like what happens when you don't wake up and you feel okay? That's why I love somebody like Glennon because she's like, I'm a clinically depressed motivational speaker. And I'm like, this is what I need in my life. This is this is who I aspire to be. Not somebody who has conquered her mental health, not somebody who is without problems, not somebody who is like totally okay all the time. It's like going forward ferociously and in fear. It's like both. It's like sadness and happiness. It's joy and grief. It's everything meshed together. That's what I think women need to be more of, not just the perfect version of one or the other, where they have to either completely abandon themselves to motherhood and wifehood and everything else or completely abandon that to be the total opposite side, just the hustler and the go-getter and don't ever show emotion and that stiff upper lip type of narrative too, right? Mm. It's just such a cool time. Gosh, such a cool I'm, time. I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm Seriously? getting oh, it. You're going to love it. No, but I think that this is something to be said of like the whole like self-love movement and like what is self-love versus self-acceptance, right? Because mm. you can accept yourself 
but that doesn't mean you necessarily have to love every part of yourself. And I feel like you speak a little bit on this. Can you kind of share your thoughts on that? Yeah. So it's it's so funny. We have so many different words for things and narratives for things. And self-love was the one that I think as I say it, it makes sense to me because I only know it for the action. I can't do it for the feeling. I've never just looked in the mirror and be like, whoa, love her, like loving it all. So great. I've made it in life. I'm here. I've arrived. Like it just hasn't happened. So a lot of times when we talk about positivity and we talk about, you know, self-love and all of this stuff, it can be really crippling because you're like, I actually don't feel that. So what about me? And self-acceptance can be really challenging too, because even as you grow to accept something, anything can change. So it's Mm -hmm. like, how do you accept something while staying agile to all of your differences? And while also acknowledging that grief is sometimes a part of your self-love journey that actually like being pregnant right now has taught me that like I'm actively grieving a body while changing and accepting a new body while acting in love for that body without expecting feeling. And I think this is such a catch that so many people fall into is it's like we it's like giving gifts expecting the thank you note or a gift in return it's like we want to do things we want us we want to talk about self love and we want it to be this feeling and we forget in any relationship in your world in any type of like a mother to daughter to sister to brother like anything that you have even in your like romantic relationships how often do you feel feelings of love like that's not that's not something that we can really aspire to feel every day. Love is an action. Love is something you do. Love is a way you show up. And everybody experiences that love and that showing up for themselves entirely different. I don't like to exercise. I never have. But I show up for myself in love, knowing that that is actually a good thing for my body. I don't always feel good wearing certain clothes, but sometimes I show up for myself by just showing that I'm worthy to wear them, even if I don't fit the mold of what I think somebody else should look like wearing it or or somebody else looks better than me or whatever it is. But that also means that if I'm uncomfortable a day, that self-love can mean choosing the passive least distraction. So if I'm going to the beach and I know I'm like mentally feeling really bogged down by my body, being okay, putting on a full piece bathing suit, a total muumuu if I need to, and sh- still showing up. It's the act of showing up as opposed to, I'm just supposed to feel confident in this. I'm supposed to feel good. I'm supposed to feel amazing. I'm supposed to love and accept myself. Also acknowledging that these are really distracting thoughts. And if I don't find ways to go through this in a way that I actually show up and be present in the memories that I deserve to make, I'm not going to be able to take that step forward. So it's also allowing like modesty when you need it. It's also allowing like that space to heal when you need it. It doesn't always look like this strong, confident thing. Sometimes it's like getting really into the dirt with it. Like any healthy, strong relationship does. It is a very, very like work-based, action-based type of love. And those feelings sometimes come. They sometimes really show up for you. And it's so beautiful when they do. But like butterflies in your stomach, they don't, they can't stay there forever. They're like these surges that we feel sometimes that kind of keep us on our toes and keep us excited about the relationship, but they're not the heartbeat of the relationship. So for me, when it comes to it all, it's just really allowing like in that self-acceptance, allowing grief and allowing change and being agile to it. And also when I talk and view self-love, 
looking at it from an angle of action and not looking at it from an angle of feeling. Because I feel like that would just make me feel like a failure far more often than not. Wow. I have never heard someone speak about it in those terms. And I'm over here like feeling like I'm having like a a light bulb over my head. (laughs) Oh my, I could literally listen to you speak on that. I'm like, I don't even know what to say. I have like goosebumps. (laughs) Sarah. No, but I mean, it's really true though. And it it is really, I've never thought about it that way too. I I guess I've never thought about love as like a feeling for myself. And Mm -hmm. isn't that weird? But I I do love myself. But I'm wondering now, I'm like, is it more that I just like am accepting myself or like that's what makes me happy is the fact that like I can look in the mirror and look at what are like flaws or what people would see as flaws and just be like, you know what? Like I see those stretch marks. I see those roles. No, like I would never write them a love letter, but I see them and I'm totally freaking cool with them. And that I guess is the difference, right? Mm -hmm. And like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You wouldn't write them a love letter. I think that's, yeah. And I think that that's like, sometimes I, I almost align more with respect, like I align with body respect because I have never fallen in love with my stretch marks or my cellulite or like curves and rolls. Like I'm like, I don't know. There's, there's nothing that we've been taught or ingrained in us that like inherently loves those things or finds them attractive. But gosh, I respect the hell out of it. How cool is it that we're literally designed in a way to expand and shrink when we're needed to with these amazing abilities to like, even when you look at what cellulite is, and it's like these honeycomb woven fat deposits that insulate our body that every woman has the fact that stretch marks are literally I I like to think of them like the the extra zipper on the suitcase when you just need a little bit more room for something (laughs) and you get that double zipper and you're like God bless the double zipper when you think about the alternative right seriously wow yes I would never travel anywhere with alternative yeah no but you think about the alternative and you're like what did I want to happen did I want my skin to just not expand to not change. And I just find the more I I'm never going to love a stretch mark in terms of looking at it, but I've just come to think like, it's just so cool that we were built in a way and designed in a way as a human body to expand, whether it's through puberty, whether it's through weight change, whether it's through pregnancy or aging, whatever it is that our skin actually has a built in mechanism to create extra space for us to grow. And I'm like, I'm not going to maybe love the way it looks, but gosh, darn it. I respect it. I respect it. And so you're right. I won't write myself love letters to my cellulite, but it's what can we do to not be so distracted by it? Like, what can we do to live our lives more and to exist in the lives that we deserve to have that we're worthy of having, even if we look different from what media and social media and onwards have shown us as this one typical mold for everybody. What does it look like when we get to show up understanding we're just as worthy, even if we look a little bit different, even if we look a lot different, what does that look like too? So I don't know. It's just such an interesting conversation to have. And I think the more you go down a self-love journey and you start to really respect, like for some people, it's going to be not like not doing their hair, like naturally growing out their body hair or not wearing makeup or it's going to be all of these different exercises. And for others, like it's going to be that moment in the morning where you face yourself in the mirror and you creatively look at yourself like a canvas and you paint your art or you curl your hair or you wear that outfit or you do that thing. It's going to look so different, which is why I love to kind of 
look at everybody in the way that they love themselves and respect that everybody's in a different place with that and and kind of honor their self-love journey, even if it looks entirely different than my own. No, I think that's beautiful. And I think that's so important. And I know, I know you've spoken a lot about like the criticism that you've kind of received from, well, one, sharing your journey in general to also like dyeing your hair and getting extensions. And like, how do you kind of respond to people that think it's more of an oxymoron to promote like self-love and self-acceptance while simultaneously supporting Botox or plastic surgery? You know, it's so funny. Like I remember last time I saw you guys was in LA yeah. and I just, everyone was giving me so much flack over getting hair extensions. And I was just like, I felt so, I felt so lost. Cause I was like, how am I ever going to make a decision for myself when no matter what I do, it feels like even when I try and honor my own thoughts, like I'm disappointing certain groups of th- people. But then I was like, but why would I choose to do something that disappoints myself or that mm. keeps myself in a box because I don't want to upset a few people when most people genuinely are okay with you making your own decisions for yourself. But what I really, really, really love is body autonomy. I love people having their own rights to choose for their own bodies. And I think when we get down into these conversations around plastic surgery or choices around a skin, we really get polarizing too. We forget like when you're like anti-plastic surgery, you're also polarizing, you know, communities who have gone through trauma, who've gone through cancer, the trans community who rely on these for their mental health and their transformations. We don't, we also don't create a lot of space for people to make choices and potentially change their mind. We've seen a huge surge in women who are explanting their breast implants now. And a lot of that came from medical issues And I don't think the right answer is to be like, well, you never should have gotten them in the first place. Guess what? They're getting them taken. They've spent tens of thousands of dollars by a, by a life choice that went wrong. And I don't think that I want to hold space for creating more shame around a woman, especially when it's really hard to make decisions for yourself. I'm somebody who heavily made wrong decisions for herself. Like when I talk about face tuning my body and like, having disordered eating, the worst thing that would have been for me in those times is more shame. More shame would have layered onto the issue, would have made me feel more self-conscious, would have made me more anxious, as opposed to actually letting me journey past those things. And when it comes to like, if people want to, I, I understand that for a lot of people, they just love disclosure. Like if you're getting something done, they would love disclosure for it. I also just think that we need to be so much more aware of like, the rights of a woman to make a decision for herself. And when we, when we talk about a woman's choice for her body, like we also have to let that be about her hair, about her makeup, about like what she wears about like, you know, if she does an injectable cool, like, unless it's, if you're out there promoting it as if it's a standard to meet, I think that's where it come, becomes damaging and becomes like recycling of like toxic beauty culture. But I think if you're making decisions for yourself, I think it's totally okay to move forward in them, but it could be scary as hell to stand by them. And I think sometimes you have to, I was actually reading an article this morning about, it was Will and Jada, they were talking about parenting their kids and they said about how punishment doesn't work. So for them, they just asked their kids a simple question of, was this decision good for your life? How did this decision lend itself for your life? Like, where did it lead you? What is it? What? What positive things is it creating in your world? And I was like, I wish we asked ourselves that more questions. Like, I wish instead of just like putting down, sometimes getting it wrong or doing it, but we just reflected and we're like, where, why did I make this decision? 
how am I impacting people when I talk about it and, and just really navigating it that way. But I've got like, I know everyone always thinks I'm going to be so anti everything. And I'm like, gosh, just do, just do what you're going to do right now. You might change your mind. You might change it 10 years from now. You might change it a year from now. I don't think any conversation around these things is worthwhile of being polarizing because then I think if you're going to go down, you know, even as simple as, you know, Botox has a, has a huge impact on so many women. We've talked about it, like we've seen it for wrinkles and we've seen it for different things like that. And we've also seen it for muscle repair. We've seen it for migraines and we've seen it for like excessive sweating, but those things people don't care about. They only zone in on, we don't like that you're doing it for this. And I just don't, I just don't want to get involved in other people's personal decision-making. And I know that people will do that for me. And I'm somebody who's made those decisions in the past. I haven't in quite some time, but I also am like, you know what? I made those choices and then I moved past those choices. And I'm glad that I still, again, with the information I had and with the knowledge I had and where I was at that time, I made a decision for my life. It doesn't define me. It's not who I am. And and I wish people would look beyond these things a little bit more because everyone's going to make decisions for themselves. And I think we all deserve the right for autonomy over our bodies. 1000%. I could not agree with that more. And also, I think that we just need to all share each other a little bit more grace and understanding mm-hmm. and also like stop giving a shit what other people do about for themselves. Yes. Like why yes. do we care so much about other people? Like worry about yourself. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I think that's exactly it. And and I think that's why I like to just be, you know what, you do you, I'll do me. Like there's this saying that you'll never agree with how people choose to spend their time and their money. And I think that extends across so many different things. So true. And it can be so easy to kind of get caught up in how you are different from somebody else instead of just kind of like, you know, your circus, your monkeys, like what what's going on in your world. And and how can we lend ourselves? And I also think that when we have people in a relational world that are open to conversations for more, that's where we can create space for those. Like when we see somebody that's maybe gone too far down a toxic beauty path and we're like, do you want to have a conversation about it? Like, I just want to make sure that you're, you know, how, how are you feeling when you make those decisions and like, what's driving you? We see this a lot when women have especially gone through trauma when they've gone through major life changes and and they're looking for these little things to pick them up. And, and sometimes I think it's just nice to have a space where you can have a really open, honest, grace-filled conversation as opposed to a polarizing one that just adds shame to anybody's narrative that nobody needs and doesn't work at all ever. And I think that honestly goes beyond beauty and body respect or acceptance. I think that no matter what, we should be having conversations that lead to understanding and explanation and sharing our opinions without like judging or adding shame or criticizing because no one's ever right about anything. We all have to like learn together and grow together and just be open to that. Um, Yeah. I love it. I love a good compliment sandwich whenever there's anything. I'm like, I had to do one of those today and uh, it's with a friend. She, she had posted something that had some misinformation and I was like, Oh, I, I really loved what you're saying there. I could really feel your heart in it. Um, I just wanted to point out that there was something that uh, has been disproven. I just thought I'd send you along some information in case we were interested, but like really proud of you for like using your voice today. And so it was like, it was in there and it was like a little correctionary. And that's like, I'm like the, I'm like the biggest people pleaser. So of course mine's like super nice, but everyone, like whenever there's a way to like create a sandwich where you're like, 
this, you're doing a great job. Here's something that maybe could be different. Like I have friends who have really walked alongside me, especially when it comes to race and being a white woman of privilege. And they'll be like, when you have capacity, I'd love to talk to you about this. I just want to like, when you have some time and space, let's have that conversation. And so it's not blindsiding me. And I get a chance to really be like, this person really cares. Okay, let's have this conversation. And those conversations have really lent themselves to me. And without those conversations, I wouldn't be at the stepping stones to who I am now. So I think there is like, we have to look at, um, like, I think we have to take it away from being like this calling out and more of like the calling in and just really understanding that somebody is like bringing you into new information. And there's such a different way about it. And I think when we have these conversations, so grace filled, it makes such a difference, like such a difference. Mm, I love that. And the last thing I want to touch on, I know you've recently said that you've kind of switched from content creator to businesswoman. What is there anything that you can share, obviously, in the pipeline? Like you are just even this listening to you, you are incredible. And I know there must be so many exciting things in store. So what can we expect? Like what's next? Well, I think we're going to see a lot more one-on-one brand collabs. Instead of me just being an influencer talking about brand products and kind of doing that, I'm working a lot more into coming out with product launches with people and there's also potentially an app coming down the line, but we'll see how that comes out. I'm not going to say what it is that's or why or so anything. Exciting. That's the teaser. It's just really, you know what? I think a lot of times we we see ourselves as somebody who, even when you work for yourself and you're a content creator, you're always working for other people. And when you start to recognize like how you can create your own revenue streams and start to like actually be involved in creative processes, it just becomes like so much bigger. And I think I'm really excited and I'm really feeling confident to kind of start taking those steps because two years ago, I would have been like, no, I'm not good enough for that. Like, I'm not ready for that. I can't do that. I said the same thing with my podcast. I was like, no, there's too many podcasts. I'm never going to do a podcast. And you know, now I have 1.5 million downloads, right? Like it's so wild that like a year ago, I was like sitting for six months on something that I just never considered for myself. And I think the more that we see ourselves just less of somebody who is just like, yeah, I post pictures on Instagram being like, no, I'm a businesswoman who like makes money through unconventional ways. I'm a woman who has like discovered how to create revenue streams off of social media, which to be fair, I've been doing this for 12 years and I only have created income in the last three. I've only worked for myself for the last year and a half. These are like huge milestones for especially content creators or anybody stepping into the space. When you get to the point where you're like, this is a business, this is like, it's time to start tooting our own horns about that and being proud about that instead of feeling like, Oh, I'm just another influencer. Like it's so much more. And I think if you're somebody who looks at it and and sees it as, you know, the business structure that it is and what an opportunity it is and how much like the fact that every single post is like, if you think about how much an outsourced Instagram post would be in a magazine, we're talking, they'd have stylists, they'd have models, they'd have photographers, they'd have copywriters, they'd have editors. And you have one person that does all of that. Mm -hmm. It's such a cool time to be alive. And like that person might live next door. Like it's incredible what is happening now and the way the ad spend is changing, the way marketing is changing. And the fact that we're trusting each other with information to buy products more than we are 
magazines and billboards like we used to traditionally always be. It's just such a neat and interesting time to be alive. And I'm so excited to be a part of it and really do it in an authentic way that's like really genuine to me and with like not doing it with shady things that a lot of people do. No, I'm so excited for you. And first of all, I think you should toot that horn a little bit louder too. And even if you're a content creator and you're really not making money yet and it's not a business, you are still a businesswoman. You're on your way there because like you said, yeah. you're filling so many hats. You're doing so many things. And I do think that mind shift is really, really important. I like love the business aspect mm-hmm. of the influencer business so much. I just think it's so important to have that respect for yourself and to know like how capable you are and how many hats you're filling and how much that would cost other brands or other people to do because there's yeah. so much power in that. And I am so excited to see these brand collabs. I mean, you've had so many. Can you just quickly tease a dream one for yourself? Like what would be one brand? even if you're not working on it right now, that you would love to do a collab with. Okay. So I'm going to tease one that is going to happen real soon, but it's like been my... So a lot of people, if you remember way back when, I was actually first like, quote unquote, discovered by being an underwear model for a brand here in Canada called Nixwear. And uh, it just blew up. It went super viral. And I kind of grew and the brand grew. And for the first time ever, we're doing like our own collabs together. And it's going to be huge. Like it's going to be so huge. And it's the biggest thing I've ever done. And so of course, I've like been crapping my pants about it for like almost a year. It's literally been almost a year, which is so weird because you see these collabs come out with people and you're like, oh, that's exciting. And you're like, you don't realize it's like an entire year of work that goes into these things. And so the fact that this dinner table conversation is now like an active, like real tangible thing and it's coming out like in a couple of months, like I'm just blown away by it. It's going to be... So yeah, I feel like I'm actually existing in the dream that is happening right now. And I've done a couple others like Smash and Test was an Mm. amazing collab. It sold out in three minutes and I literally cried. I couldn't believe... Sometimes you really question your own impact and your own like ability. And I think that that was just like such a moment. And so I'm really excited to do more of that and really start trusting my gut a little bit more and speaking up. Both of those things happened. Like the Smash and Test one happened because I was a little tipsy on a margarita and pitched my the romper that I wanted of my dreams. And I was like, this is what I want. And then it came out and then we got to do it. Right. So it was like, just sometimes trusting yourself and putting yourself out there and uh, really going for it. So I'm super stoked to see what happens. Well, we are so excited for you. Um, And we just can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom with us. And um, this was just such a valuable conversation. So thank you. Oh, I adore you too. And you guys know, like for anybody listening, don't even realize, like I message these two all the time. Like Brianna was like, literally like, how do I make a video? Like, how do I do this? And she <laughs> taught me how to make my first TikTok. Like, not kidding. Like you guys are like the real deal. And I love being able to tell people about that because it's just, everyone always just sees Instagram things and it seems so surface level. And I just speaking from experience with you two in real life and in DMs, you just show up for me all the time and have truly lent yourselves into who I am today. So gosh, love ya. You too. Love you. I literally told my mom, I was like, oh yeah, I'm talking with my friend Sarah today. She's like, who? I'm like, oh no, my friend. Like it is so fun to feel yeah. like we, we've only met a couple times in person, but 
I do I'd be so feel embarrassed like- if we weren't actually friends because I've already told a lot of people. No, <laughs> exactly. I'm glad we're just all on the same page here. We're on the same level. <laughs> Thank you so much. We're so proud of you. And we cannot wait to stock all of these exciting things coming your way. All right. Thank you, Sarah. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at Confident Collective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories. And don't forget to tag us. 